The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we discuss the Penn Quakers, their glory years with George Woodruff. Now, I have already done a podcast on this man, but we're going to do another one. I just like talking about him. We'll talk about different things. And from a historical perspective, really, why should we care about Penn football? Or for that matter, by extension, why do we even care about Ivy League football from a historical perspective? I mean, the Ivy League, they haven't had a Heisman winner since back in 1951 when Dick Casmier won it. They haven't had a team ranked in the final AP poll since 1970 when Dartmouth went undefeated and went number 14. Well, there are a few reasons why the Ivy League matters and it has a consequence. And then by extension, why Penn Quakers do too, at least from a historical perspective. And the first one is obviously the easiest. November 6th, 1869, when one of their schools, Princeton, travels down to Rutgers to play in the college football first game ever. Now, now Rutgers won six to four. The game was a little different than it was today. 25 people on the side. You had to kick the ball over a goal line. But the point is, the Ivy League participated in the first college football game ever. Now, Princeton, one of the Ivy League schools, went on to win 15 national titles by 1922. This is a big deal. This was the most ever a school had won. Then, by 1928, Yale surpassed them. They won 18 national championships. This total, put up by two Ivy League schools, 15 national championships and 18 national championships, is the most national championships by any school in the history of college football. Why else does the Ivy League matter from a historical perspective? Well, first All-American class, they were entirely Ivy League. A a really strong suit of coaches marched through the Ivy League. You had Walter Camp, obviously at Yale. Amos Alonzo Stagg, he played at Yale. Pop Warner, he coached at Cornell. And John Heisman played for both Brown and Penn. Which finally brings us to why do we care about the Penn Quakers? At least from a historical perspective. Their first football game was back in 1876. And they've had no Heisman winners, right? They've been to one bowl game, the 1917 Rose Bowl, and they lost it. So why do we care about Penn? Well, here's why. From 1892 to 1901, the Penn Quakers were led by coach George Woodroth, who posted a 124-15-2 record. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an 887 winning percentage, which exceeds Newt Rockney's 881 winning percentage. There's more. See, there was this one game back in 1896, which we'll get to, where had Penn won the game, George Woodroth's Quakers would have compiled a 66-game winning streak. Had his Quaker team not lost that one game in 1896 to the team that would become the eventual national champions that year by a close margin of 6-4 to under dubious circumstances, they would have had a 66-game winning streak, which, by the way, would dwarf Bud Wilkinson's 47-game winning streak back in the 50s. 
So you're talking about what? The Penn Quakers and a coach, George Woodroff, that compare favorably to the likes of Notre Dame and Oklahoma, Newt Rockney and Bud Wilkinson. And that's why we should care. Now, who is George Woodroff? Well, he played at Yale. And when he played at Yale, there were 40 games played. Yale won 38. Tied one, lost just once in his four years as a starter. Well, after graduating, he goes off to Penn and he enrolls in law school in 1892. Penn, that same year, hires him to be the head football coach. So 1892 rolls around, George Woodruff rolls out his Penn Quakers, a team that had gone, admittingly, 11-2 and two the year before. Now, the team began by defeating Swarthmore 22-0 and Penn State 20-0, Haverford 56-0, Virginia 32-0. In fact, the Penn Quakers in 1892, George Woodruff's maiden season, pulled nine straight shutouts coming out of the gate. After going 9-0, they defeated Lafayette 8-6, Chicago Athletic Club 12-10, and then for the first time ever, Penn defeated Princeton 6-4. They finished the season 15-1. Their only loss was to Yale 28-0. Enter 1893. Penn comes storming out of the gates. They defeat Franklin and Marshall 48-0 in Gettysburg 74-0. They defeat the Columbia Athletic Club 30 to nothing. In fact, they win their first 11 games in 1893, which is George Woodruff's second season, only to lose inexplicably three of the last four games to finish the season 12 and three. So they did lose the last game of the season, and this is crucial for the story because they lost to Harvard 26 to four. So they entered 1894 without a winning streak. In 1894, the Penn Quakers opened the season against Franklin and Marshall and won 34 to nothing. They defeated Swarthmore 66 to nothing. They defeated the Crescent Athletic Club 22 to nothing, Georgetown 46 to nothing, Lehigh 30 to nothing, and Crescent Athletic Club 80 to 10. They finished the season 12 and 0. 12 and 0. So going into 1895, they had a 12 game winning streak. Spoiler alert, they did not lose. In 1895, they defeated Swarthmore in game one 40 to nothing, Bucknell 40 to nothing. Franklin and Marshall, 42 to nothing. They continue to roll, winning all 14 games in 1895. 14 to 0. So after two seasons, 1894 and 1895, this was George Woodrow's third and fourth season to be clear, they had a 26-game winning streak. Well, in 1896, they entered with a 26-game winning streak, and they proceeded to win. They proceeded to defeat Franklin and Marshall 24 to nothing, Gettysburg 32 to nothing, Bucknell 40 to nothing. I'll stop reading the scores, but they defeated Navy, Dartmouth, Virginia, Lehigh, Amherst, and October 24th, they faced Lafayette. They faced Lafayette with a 34-game winning streak. They faced Lafayette, unknowing to them that after that game, they would win 31 games in a row. They faced Lafayette on October 24th, 1896. Where had they won the game, they would have had an unprecedented 66-game winning streak. Their sole loss was to Lafayette, 6-4. to four. Who was Lafayette? Lafayette was the co-national champion that year. They were the national champions. They entered the game 4-0-1. They entered the game after tying Princeton 0-0, zero zero, had defeated West Virginia three times in three days. By combined score 56 to nothing. So on October 24th, it was 
a power of the heavyweights, a fight between the heavyweights. You had Penn, you had Lafayette. Penn, 34-game winning streak. Lafayette, rolling into the game. Lafayette, before the game, not only rolled into the game, but they enrolled Fielding Yost. You probably heard of him. Fielding Yost, back then, was a tackle from West Virginia. Lafayette had defeated West Virginia the week before. This is where it gets a little dubious. They enrolled Fielding Yost for the game. Lafayette wins the game 6-4. to four. They defeat Penn, 1896, October 24th. This win was historic. Why? Why was it historic? It was the first victory of a small school over Harvard, Yale, Penn, Princeton, one of those teams. Why was it historic? Another reason. In 1896, Lafayette was the first national championship, was the first national champion that was not Harvard, Yale, Penn, or Princeton. Why else was it historic? As I mentioned, Penn would go on to win its next 31 games and would have compiled a 66-game winning streak had they not lost 6-4. to The 1986 Penn team ended up going 14-1, outscoring its opponents 326-24. to Now, the 1897-17, the year later, started the season against Bucknell, won 17-0, shut out Franklin and Marshall, 33-0, and defeated Washington and Jefferson, 18-4, Bucknell, 33-0, again, they played Bucknell, Gettysburg, 57-0, Lehigh, 58-0. Long story short, they ran the table. They went 15-0. So the 1897 team is now 15-0. They win the national championship. In fact, every team in this streak, except for the 1896 team, had won the national championship for Penn. They had three national championships in four years. Now, this 1897 team ended up becoming memorable. Why? Why? They were the last team to go 15-0 for over 100 years until Clemson rolled out their 15-0 season. It was back in, I don't know, 2018. So enter 1898. In 1898, what happens is Penn rolls out and defeats Franklin and Marshall, 41-0. Gettysburg, 50-0. Penn State, 50-0. Mansfield, 50-0. They roll up until the game with Harvard where they lose 10 to nothing. Well, by 1899, Penn dominance had geared it down a little bit. They finished 8-3-2, 1900, 12-1, and 1901-10-5. 10-5. How will history remember the 1892-1901 Penn Quakers coached by George Woodroff? Well, over a 10-year span, George Woodroff's team posted a 124-15-2 record. This was an 887 winning percentage, comparing favorably because it exceeded Newt Rockney, 881. They outscored opponents 1,777 to 88 in a fourth season stretch from 1895 to 1898. The Penn Quakers won 65 of 66 games. The only loss was to the eventual national championship in 1896, Lafayette. During that streak of four years, they won three national championships. 1894, 1895, 1897. And finally, 10's 15-0 season in 1897 was the last time a college football team had won 15 games, had gone 15-0, excuse me, in a single season for over 100 years, the feat not being duplicated until Clemson did it in 2018. Now, now, hopefully, future generations will find a fitting epitaph to highlight the magnitude of George Woodroff and the Penn Quakers for their decade of dominance and achievements. As for me, like I said when I first started this, podcast. I just like talking about the man, George Woodroff, 
and the Penn Quakers. Thank you for listening to the History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.